Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for March 19th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great, peaceful, restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. After all, it is a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled. We're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time for right, eh? That means Lil Nelson's coming up and Dr. Scott Bradley's coming up. Hour one and hour two, respectively. Quick recap of yesterday's broadcast. We had our guest on Mr. Eldon Stallfield. I'm sorry, Mr. Eldon Stahl. He's field coordinator of the John Birch Society, JBS.org. We also had our guest on Brian Rust, RustQuentinGift.com, doing a phenomenal job. We talked about the Honest Money Report with gold and silver updates. We talked about the IRS will delay the April 15th deadline until May 17th. We talked about lies, lies, and more lies. Biden had a clear message for migrants, don't come over, but he's been doing just the opposite in virtual signaling and everything else, the opposite for so long. We have a crisis at the U.S. southern border. We also talked about Texas Governor Greg Abbott said Joe Biden's immigration policies are incentivizing unaccompanied minors to come to the United States border. Florida Representative Matt Getz said that American taxpayer money is fueling the waves of migrants heading to the U.S. southern border. So Biden virtual signaling saying, hey, come on back. Yeah. A.J. Louder even documented this. That's a uh, sheriff from Texas, five-time elected sheriff, saying, uh, you know what? Biden signaling to the immigrants to come back, even though the Border Patrol turned them away based on the rule of law. Biden going to undermine that, but now Biden publicly saying, don't come over, but yet we're funding. Yeah. Matt gets our money is fueling migrants coming to our borders. So beware of that, taxpayers. You're paying the bill, baby. On April the 23rd, 1992, Joe Biden penned a piece for the Wall Street Journal entitled, How I Learned to Love the New World Order. He speaks of breathing new life into the U.N. Charter. His words, not ours, writes the newamerican.com. Now, this is interesting. So he swore an oath to the U.S. Constitution, but he's literally doubling down on the New World Order and trying to promote the United Nations and breathe life into the organization, which is global governance, to say the least. House Democrats blocked a proposal that would have required illegal immigrants to test negative for the coronavirus before they got released into America. The Democrats shot that down. Can you imagine that? Biden planning largest tax hike in 30 years, they say as well. That was hour one. 
Hour two, Trump told Maria Bartiromo, or however you say her name, that he hopes Meghan Markle makes a presidential run. He says, if she does, the chances of me running increase substantially. <laughs> just, just imagine Donald taking swipes at Meghan. Oh, boy. Almost out of stock, they say. It's a limited edition. Sleepy Joe bobbleheads for sale now. Just thought you'd kind of uh, find that fascinating. Former NBA star Sean Bradley is paralyzed. Our prayers are with his family. I have a personal story on that I ought to tell you. You know, uh, I met Sean Bradley one time in Dallas. And uh, I worked for a, a, a camping gear company, a sleeping bag company, and he called up, believe it or not, on the phone. So we were the manufacturer, and he called up, and he said, Hey, man, I need a huge sleeping bag. Can you guys make me a special one? And we're like, no, nah, dude, we got one big enough for you. And he's like, no, listen, I'm Sean Bradley. I'm seven foot, whatever he is, seven six or seven four. I can't remember. <laughs> seven six tall, and I, I just, I need you guys to make. I said, man, we, you know, we said we got one for you, dude. He's like, no, listen. And we said, no, listen to me. We have a bag. Listen, here's the measurements of the bag. And he went, oh, by the way, the bag was called the Behemoth at the time. Anyway, long story short, the guy's like. You know, hey, how much can I buy one? And we're like, Sean, <laughs> we'll just give one to you, buddy. So we were going to give him a sleeping bag. And he's like, oh, no. Would you guys really do that for me? He was super humble and nice. And so we said, of course. And so he said, well, listen, if I can I pay you guys back by inviting you to a game? We're like, yeah, buddy. So we went to a Mavericks game in Dallas. Uh, at, Sean Bradley gave us tickets. And we went to the game. And after the game, he said, I want to meet you guys after the game. Will you please stay? And we, you know stayed and it took him a while after the game to come out and he run he comes out there and he's like oh my gosh you guys i'm so sorry he said believe it or not when you're as tall as i am your bones hurt and your body you know i know it sounds cool to be super tall but it's not and he said you know what i have to i have to ice my body down and i can't remember the word he used but it was some sports rub that you rub on your body kind of like a ben gay smell and stuff but it obviously it wasn't ben gay it's you know something like that though he's like you have to just rub your body down and to even you know be able to transition and he says so i'm so sorry anyway we sat there and talked to this guy for about 45 minutes man and i'm telling you he was the humblest nicest kindest guy ever and so i walked away a, a fan of sean bradley now, you know, there's other players that are better than he is and all that kind of stuff. I get all that. I'm just telling you the guy is a class act. So he was dry, riding his bicycle, and I guess some car hit him. And now the poor gentleman's paralyzed in St. George, Utah. Man, I want to try to reach out to him. But anyway, our prayers are with his family and him, and I hope that he gets back some uh, mobility and stuff like that. What a horrible tragedy that is. But there's my Sean Bradley story, and I'm telling you the guy is a class act. The guy's a good dude. And I really, really enjoyed going to the game. Uh, and really enjoyed supplying a sleeping bag to him and really enjoyed, you know, getting to know him a little bit. You know, it's not like I know him really good or anything. I'm just, but I'm telling you, he was, it was wonderful. Really, it was a great, great experience. All right, I digress. Disney CEO Bob Chapek announced Disneyland will reopen on April 30th, but it's kind of psychotic. They're opening up, but you're not allowed to scream on the roller coasters, don't you know? Because you could spread the cocoa. <laughs> it's just crazy down there. By the way, we'll get into the tale of two cities in just a second on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. Donald Trump recommends his supporters get vaccinated. He says, so everybody, time to get the shot. I don't think so, Donald. Not doing it, buddy. Not getting the shot, my friend. Just won't do it. 
If you want to have a shot, Donald, you're free to do so. But Donald Trump did acknowledge people's freedom. Good for him for doing such. Biden's New World Order. Swamp Cabinet now pushing the Great Reset. That's all in the NewAmerican.com. Great magazine. We also talked about an update on nullification. What the states are doing, they're doing a pretty good job. they got to step it up more, but, man, they're getting a great start. We also talked about the deep state. I guess um, uh, they hosted a great conspiracy against Donald Trump in the 2020 election. Now that they think they're anointed, safely enthroned in the White House, the deep, th- the deep state, through its propaganda mouthpiece, Time Magazine, is bragging about their win. They're gloating and just saying, hey, we committed a fraud. So what? They're literally admitting to it all. Texas sheriffs learn about their constitutional duties. Kelly Taylor Holt writes the article for the New American. Great article about our event. Myself, Richard Mack, and others at the CSPA. We had a great, great event. But anyway, they wrote about it at uh, thenewamerican.com. Great article telling the tale of liberty like nobody's business. Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Being with you. Ah, thanks so much. There's a lot going on. There's, it's just hard to know how to handle all this stuff uh, that's happening. First off, Donald Trump gets the shot. Are you getting one? No way, man. No way. Neither am I. Uh, Donald can get the shot if he chooses, but I'm out. It's propaganda. I don't want it. I'm not doing it. It's not even a vaccine. They're not truthful or honest about it. In fact, Rand Paul got into a big battle with Fauci uh, in Congress about this. And at the end of the day, Fauci said, oh, no, you got to do this. you got to do that. And, and uh, Rand's like, you're just running around wearing a mask for show. You got the vaccine. You're all safe. You're all good. Everything's fine. You're doing this for show. And Fauci's like, it's not for show. It's necessary. And, and then Rand just simply said, look, I need to see the evidence on the masks. And uh, Fauci unable to produce, sir. Do you have a response to that? <laughs> well, that's uh, great to hear because he needs to be put in his place and it needs to be done. Uh, speaking of Fauci, Fauci needs to be put in his place and it needs to be done in a public manner so that uh, the rest of the, the people, the viewing public, can can understand what a fraud he is and what a travesty it is, the lies he's going around telling, because that's part of getting the truth out. That's part of what we ought to be doing Exposing the truth, exposing corruption, and, and telling the truth. So I'm happy to hear that, Sam. It's a start. You know, I know it's not enough, but it's a start, and that's exactly what we'll get into here as the broadcast unfolds. Uh, learning to push back. Some call it civil disobedience. I don't like that term, and I'll explain why coming up. Uh, but this is serious, serious business, folks. But the media are finally starting to reconsider Florida's pandemic strategy. Starting to realize that, you know what? You can't just lock everybody down. So I appreciate Florida's strategy, and we'll compare that to California in a second. But to me, it's much more than just a Florida strategy. It's a southern, uh, what, South Dakota, I guess it is, strategy. Anyway, there's an article written by John Miltimore we're going to talk about with Lil Nelson in just seconds. You are listening to the one and only... Liberty Roundtable Live. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better having a 1% pay cut? 
you deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org on your radio. The media are finally starting to understand that you just can't lock everybody down. Florida had a great pandemic strategy. So did South Dakota. Christy Nome, even a better one than Florida. But the reason we're using Florida is because it's a great comparison between Florida and California. We'll get to the incredible comparison in just a second. But the media is finally starting to get it, Lowell. Yeah, I'm happy to see that, Sam. And one reason I was attracted to this article was the picture, which uh, you can see at uh, ronpaulinstitute.org. It's a picture of the governor of Florida, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, having a beer with uh, townsfolk. <laughs> I mean, it's like main, it's, uh, some, somebody's main street, uh, and uh, here's a gaggle of people. We're talking, I don't know, I can see in the picture at least a dozen, but it looks like it's just a, a shot of, I don't know, probably several dozen, like, I don't know, 30, 50, 100 people, I don't know, just a gaggle of people there around, uh, like, uh, drinking beers from underneath the tent, and these are common folk, just like you and me, Sam, a guy a guy wearing a ball cap, sunglasses, t-shirt, another guy wearing a ball cap, uh, and uh, he, he's a policeman, actually, he's probably there on duty to, to, to guard uh, the the governor, a uh, couple, couple policemen, but just everybody else around him is common folk. I mean, he's not some uppity, uh, you know, he doesn't appear to be some uppity twerp that's uh, just masquerading as a politician and, and uh, is not willing to mix with the uh, deplorables. I mean, he's, he's there with the common folk uh, 
you know, having a beer. None of them are wearing masks. They're out in the sunshine. Um, and I don't know. I just it's just a great picture, and it uh, portrays, I think, accurately. So the uh, position or the stance that uh, DeSantis has taken there in Florida, um, basically keeping churches open, uh, beaches, restaurants, dividend yielding commerce, all that has been a big priority for for Ron DeSantis now. Uh, Adam Weinstein of the New Republic wrote about DeSantis earlier last year, uh, you know, uh, summertime and so forth of last year, that it's true that Florida did lock down initially um, for a few months, uh, unlike South Dakota, but they have for months now been open. <clears throat> and uh, this is uh, an approach that Weinstein was criticizing when he wrote about DeSantis months and months ago. He Basically, he seemed hyperbolic today, to put it mildly. Um, he was hardly the only member of the media and the political class making such a claim, even though Florida's COVID-19 mortality rate was far lower than many other U.S. states and remains so today. So here, more than six months later, uh, it, it is from then. So basically the past six months, the, the media, just like you said, Sam, they're having a change of heart or a change of mind about Florida's response to the pandemic. Axios reports this, as, quote, after a solid year of living with the pandemic, the national press is beginning to ask the question that even Democrats have been quietly pondering in the Sunshine State. Was Governor Ron DeSantis' pandemic response right for Florida? End of quote. <clears throat> and, um, <clears throat> you know, that's the question they should be asking and should have been asking publicly for months and months now. But here comes the Associated Press now which published its own analysis of uh, DeSantis's response, um, and they did made this analysis just over the, over, the, over the last weekend. They say this, Sam, quote, Near, nearly a year after California Governor Gavin Newsom ordered the nation's first statewide shutdown because of the coronavirus, masks remain mandated, indoor dining and other activities are significantly limited, and Disneyland remains closed. By contrast, Florida has no... Now, hold on. Before you get into the, too much of the contrast, Lowell, just really quick, yeah. they're going to open Disneyland, they say, but they've got a lot of strange rules. For example, believe it or not, if you if you go to Disneyland now, they're saying you're not allowed to scream on the roller coasters, buddy. <laughs> yeah, good luck with enforcing that. <laughs> I mean, some people scream on the roller coasters just to make it fun for others, but... You know, truly, some people scream because it's frightening, and uh, they're scared out of their wits. So I don't know how they're going to regulate that, but it's a very different feeling in California. I mean, everybody's been locked down so tight for so long that, um, you know, it's going to be tough to, to break out of that mold for them. But you're right. The, the lockdown, the mandates, the requirements have forever been have for the year been much, much more stringent in California. In fact, Sam, if I remember right, and I do, that Disneyland locked down the very weekend that me and my family uh, flew down there to enjoy Disneyland uh, over the weekend. We flew down on a Friday, and they announced the closure that very day. <clears throat> well, we already had our tickets. We jumped on the plane, ran down there. We enjoyed Disneyland that night, Friday night, but when they closed that night, that's the last time they have been open. And so we had to find other things to do on, you know, Saturday, Sunday, and then we came home Monday. 
Um, of course, we did find other things to do because not everything had locked down at that point. It was very early in the in the scamdemic. Um, so, you know, we had a great time and all, but, but it's amazing to think that it's been a year since California's been locked down and Disneyland has been shut. So, anyway, so ready for the, the contrast now. Now, this is the AP article writing. Florida has no statewide restrictions. Republican Governor Ron DeSantis has prohibited municipalities from fining people who refuse to wear masks. And Disney World has been open since July. Despite their differing approaches, California and Florida have experienced almost identical outcomes in COVID-19 case rates. End of quote. That came straight from the Associated Press, Sam. That's amazing that they would put out this information. And, yeah, interesting, very interesting. Um, now, this shift in thinking is important uh, because it's related to something that's overlooked or mostly overlooked in the articles. Collateral damage of lockdowns includes severe mental health deterioration, increased suicide, heightened drug and alcohol abuse, education loss, mass social unrest, health procedures deferred or foregone, extreme loneliness, soaring global poverty, and countless other adverse consequences. In many cases, these consequences hit young people the hardest. Now, I'm going to stop myself before going on and just mention this extreme loneliness, especially in young people. That afflicts even people here in Utah, Sam. I don't know whether you knew this or not, but I serve in a YSA ward. That means young single adult. Um, it's a ward. It's an organization. Of yeah, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. We've got a ton of yeah. people who aren't members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yep. So just to explain, a ward is a congregation uh, of, of worshipers, okay? And when he says a YSA, it just means basically a, a ward of young adults, people who are in college and all that kind of stuff. They go to church. They have a congregation. So a congregation of young adults. Go ahead, sir. I just want to make sure people you know, understand. Perfect. Thank you. The uh, biggest problem by far in this congregation, Sam, uh, of young uh, single adults from 18, age 18, 18 to 30, that's a 12-year basically, um, uh, you know, in, in window of time, the, by far the biggest problem is loneliness. And they, they take it, you know, you're, you're, you're not married, so you don't have a companion to talk with. You have friends, but you're being shut in by the, the scare tactics, uh, the response to the pandemic, the policy response to it. And so you end up, you know, you, you end up just being isolated, Sam, and, and it's hard. Because this is the time of life when young people gather, when they should be intermingling and, and being excited, going to activities, you know, whether it's skiing or, or walk in the park or, you know, games, uh, uh, night games at the pavilion or whatever. <clears throat> and all of that has been taken away from them. It's like we steal the lives of our young people to cater to these politicians and bureaucrats that enforce the lockdown measures just to save a few lives of old people who have already lived their lives who don't want the lives of the young people forfeited in the first place, but they're forced to because of the government government response to the pandemic. So I just wanted to highlight, Sam, that this this extreme loneliness, this pro, these problems among our young people, 
exists right here in, in our community as it does in every community throughout the country. Just, just thought people should know that. So, okay. So finishing up this article by Whittemore, um, <clears throat> John Miltimore, sorry, um, he says, fortunately, states across the U.S. have seen enough. They're, re- they're reopening in droves despite Fauci's warning. And that's a good Amen news. to that. Quick pause, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson, campaign for liberty.org. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Top officials from China and the United States are meeting in Anchorage, Alaska. At the start of the summit on Thursday, Secretary of State Tony Blinken pointed out human rights abuses in China. His counterpart, Yang Juichi, says the United States can no longer speak from a position of strength. We'll also discuss our deep concerns with actions by China. Each of these actions threaten the rules-based order that maintains global stability. So let me say here that in front of the Chinese side, the United States does not have the qualification to say that it wants to speak to China from a position of strength. Attorneys involved in the trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin seated three more jurors Thursday as both sides inch closer to a full jury. The panel is up to 12 members with two alternates still needed. Chauvin is charged in the May 2020 death of George Floyd. This is USA Radio News. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MetaShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MetaShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance, and MetaShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month. You might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs. And because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by March 31st. You can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch like more than 400,000 people already have and start saving. Here it is. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. Senators John Corrin and Ted Cruz will be leading a delegation to the U.S.-Mexico border next Friday amid the humanitarian crisis. John Clemens from the Texas USA Radio News Bureau reports. The Biden administration has been blamed for the humanitarian crisis as thousands of children have been encouraged to come to the border despite the dangers. During a conference call, Senator John Cornyn spoke of those dangers. The Border Patrol has told me that roughly a third of the women and girls who uh, make their way into the United States have been sexually assaulted. Senator Cornyn also told us many of the children come from countries that advocate America's destruction. That just this year, they had detained people from 54 different countries at the Texas-Mexico border. White House spokesperson Jen Psaki for the first time Thursday called the border surge a crisis, then tried to backtrack her words. President Biden had another senior moment Thursday making a statement on vaccination progress. Biden introduced his vice president as President Harris. USA Radio News.
with news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, Lone Nelson, Campaign for Liberty.org, doing a phenomenal job. Incredible article, media starting to find out, you know what? You just can't lock everybody down. And the proof in the pudding that they're starting to see, it becomes evidence, evident to everyone, except for maybe Fauci and some of the bureaucrats and professional do-gooders that want to steal our freedoms. But to everybody else, it's so blatantly obvious that it's shocking. You know, Disneyland has been closed forever. Disney World's been open. You get locked down hardcore in California and Florida as everybody's having a good time. I literally had a trip planned to Disneyland, Lowell Nelson. But you know what? I canceled that sucker because it was closed, and I moved my trip to Florida. People get it, sir. Well, and um, there are more older people per capita in Florida than in California, believe it or not. seems to be a retirement uh, community, um, largely. I mean, a lot of old people uh, go there to enjoy the sunshine. It is the sunshine state, after all. And... um, you would think that with the um, the uh, if, if the virus were really that that deadly or something to be avoided, you know, you would expect the people um, in Florida to die in higher rates than the people in California. If if truly the lockdowns are meaningful and if masking is meaningful, then you would expect much higher death rates in Florida than in California. But you don't. They're they're basically the same. <clears throat> so it's a great comparison. One state stays open, or has been open since July. That's at least six, seven, eight months now of being wide open, uh, you know, and the governor enjoying a beer with the common folk on Main Street, as opposed to California, where it's been locked down for uh, over eight months. And uh, there's no difference in the uh, mortality rate. Uh, and, 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 and really, Florida should be higher than California because they have more older people. <laughs> but... But this is the beauty of federalism, Sam. Americans found, America's founders understood the best way to form an enduring union and to protect liberty was to disperse power for self-governance among the states. It's a genius, genius uh, uh, way to, to, uh, to operate a country which is so large and so diverse with differing ideological viewpoints among people. So if you want... The lockdown, if you like that, then you can go to California. If you dislike the lockdown, you can you know, spend your dollars at Disney World in Florida instead of Disneyland that's been locked down in, in, in California. So it, it is a great contrast, and I think the lessons that governors in other states and, uh, are learning, well, you know what, actually it's the money they get because of being locked down that keep them locked down. If the feds did not have this loose uh, trough of money going to states that are locked down uh, in response to the, the COVID pandemic, then many more states would have been opened far sooner, far earlier than now. But the good news is that even though they have this allure of, of money from the feds, these states are opening back up. Texas, Mississippi, Arizona, Connecticut, Arizona, West Virginia, and more have announced similar plans to reopen without capacity restrictions on their businesses. That's a very, very good development, Sam. Oh, and I might mention, by the way... You know, a lady, a lady in Galveston, by the way, Lowell, broke her foot 
too, if you check out Ron Paul and what's kind of going on with that uh, in his column or his um, uh, broadcast, if you will, you find out that, hey, you know what? They broke a woman's foot in Galveston because she wouldn't wear a mask. These people are getting flat out of control. Yes, just on the verge of Texas opening up. I mean, that's kind of the um, that's kind of the uh, irony of the situation. Now, um, I have to sympathize a little bit uh, with the the bank where she was. She went in to withdraw, close down her account from her bank without a mask on, and she stood in line, Sam, for all of the time it took to get to the front of the line without a mask. And so there she is in line. I don't know how many people, five, six people back, whatever. It took five or 10, 15 minutes for her to get up to the front of the line. And just as she got to the front of the line, that's when the, uh, the, the, the bank manager came out and said, ma'am, you've got to have a mask on. We, we're not going to serve you. <laughs> and so how ironic is it that, you know, it is their private property, theoretically. The bank is, is there, you know, and if, if they don't want to serve a person who's not wearing a mask, I think that's their prerogative. But... And why wasn't it important 15 minutes ago, right? Why was it important only when she came to the point of making a transaction? And then why do they why do they claim property rights when they themselves have been denied their property rights for months by the state to, to even open and to, to conduct business at all, right? I mean, why is property rights important when the little lady comes to, to close down her account? And then they use muscle, they use... They called the cops on her, and and uh, I watched the video uh, of a, and and they, you know, uh, forced her to. Uh, I mean, she's a little old lady. What? Why did they put the cuffs on her? Forced her to, her hands around her back, get the cuffs on her to to arrest her. I mean, it, it just it goes. You know, why why give? Uh, I don't know. It just goes beyond reason, in my opinion. Uh, what they did to her. So, yeah, and all of that's in the Ron Paul Liberty Report um, from last week. It's a YouTube. So, you know, some people find it hard to, to listen to a radio uh, podcast sometimes. They like to watch video. Well, you can you can get a lot of Ron Paul from the Ron Paul Liberty Report uh, on YouTube. It's a 20-minute program, 20, 25 minutes long usually, and it takes a, an important topic of the day, and uh, Ron talks about it, and he talks about it with uh, his um, with, with a fellow there. Boy, what is his name? Um, they, uh, anyway, it's a great little program, and and so they talked about this um, incident in Texas where they broke a woman's foot and uh, basically abused her because she was not wearing a mask in the bank, was not able to to withdraw her money because she got arrested. So. Uh, you've got that contrast, and, and then you've got this hypocrisy, Sam, going on in California. And let me, let me chime in here really quick, Lowell, too. Um, you know, yeah. you can disagree with the woman. Uh, you can, uh, you know, but why don't you wait till she goes outside and then talk to her and arrest her gently or politely or whatever else? We don't need to escalate. And what happens is that I find that they say, you know, we need to, we need to have unity. We need to not have violence. But yet, you know what? I find the cops committing violence all the time. You look at the Ammon Bundy scenario. The guy sat in jail for two years, and he's guilty of nothing, according to the jury in one case and the judge in another. And the only one that committed wrongdoing was the FBI. The judge threw out the case because of the criminal activity of the FBI. Now, if you don't like the, uh, the Ammon Bundy case, okay, what about uh, the... Capitol riots case. You know, the only person that had a gun and killed somebody was our government. And so, you know what? We have case 
after case after case where the government um, flat out ends up being the aggressor, lol. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you another story. I just listened to a hearing, court hearing, last Friday um, morning. Yeah, it's been a week ago. And this gentleman who had uh, six misdemeanor cases against him uh, came before a judge. It's been over a year since all these cases had been pro- uh, prosecuted. In fact, they were prosecuting this, this fellow um, and until the pandemic uh, hit in March. And so when that hit, they just stopped prosecution of the cases. And uh, finally, his case came up. He had actually sat in jail for two or three months um, over these misdemeanor cases. Um, and none of the cases had jail time as a potential penalty. And he's, he's kind of belligerent. He's kind of like you and me that doesn't want to be pushed around. And so the police were just antagonizing him. They had trespass charges against him left and right six different times. And finally, he came before a judge, a different judge this time, and she looked at the case and, and said, and how long has this man been spending in jail, right, and, and found out that this man had been in jail uh, for this two or three months over six cases that don't even have jail time as a potential penalty. And she got angry. You just hear the anger dripping in her voice as she dismissed all charges against him with prejudice you know, tacitly uh, censuring the prosecution for for doing what they did to this gentleman. And uh, so, yeah, there are, you, know, you occasionally run into... And, and I appreciate her anger, and that's wonderful. The judge in Ammon Bundy case was somewhat angry, too, about the criminal activity and the cover-up and the lies and the perjury on the stand mm-hmm. and the withholding of exculpatory evidence by the, the FBI in, the, in Ammon Bundy and Cruz case. But at the end of the day, there's no accountability for these thugs. There's no accountability, mm-hmm. really. There's a little bit of anger, and there's dismissing, meaning, hey, the guy gets out of jail, that's great. But what about prosecution of these criminals that did it all in the first place? They're acting outside yeah. of their scope of office. They should not receive any government uh, protection at all for their acts against the law outside of their oath and outside of their um, responsibility, whether they be elected or appointed, Well. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like the city prosecutor for American Fork, she's going to continue having her job. But the good news is, Dean, uh, this this uh, this fellow I was talking about, he's belligerent enough. He's probably going to press civil charges for and he should. Quick pause. Liberty Roundtable Live. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205 672 2000. 
Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got to rock and roll because, man, we're not covering enough of Lowell Nelson's stuff, folks. But the contrast between California and Florida is amazing. The media is starting to realize that it's a sham. You can't lock everybody down. The cops are getting out of control when folks won't wear masks. They broke a woman's foot in Galveston. Now you got the mistaken notion, folks. You know what? That, hey, maybe this pandemic is going to be over. Everybody's going to be fine. Go ahead and... Hey, no no harm, no foul. Uh, it's been a year that we locked everybody down, but don't worry. We're coming back. Lola, it's going to be okay. But I submit to you that the mistaken notion that there's an easy solution to gaining back freedom, it is an absolute mistaken notion, Lola. That's exactly right, Sam, because it's a mindset, <clears throat> and, and uh, we don't, you know, we don't have the mindset necessary to re- restore our freedom right now. We do among some people, and that's encouraging, but we need more people. I, I just want to quote three paragraphs from the middle of this the Gary D. Barnett column posted at LouRockwell.com. Gary, I really like his writing. He lives in Montana, and uh, he's retired and just a great thinker. I like the way he thinks. He says this, If one is to walk the streets of America today and not understand the idiocy present and the depth of our problems due to the people themselves, then blindness has certainly consumed all the masses, plus those expecting someone else to come up with a solution to change the minds of 330 million people just by saying, do this. The solution, he writes, is mass disobedience and dissent. But by me telling people to do this, as I've been doing for over two decades, will not change this thing. The people themselves have to stand up and take risks to protect their own liberty because I or no one else can do it for them. As to patriots, those that do the state's bidding in war are not patriots but simply murderers for the state and are perpetrating their own servitude by taking orders to kill others instead of doing something to free themselves. This is just another state trick to get people believing that war is in their interest when, in fact, it just tightens the chains of tyranny at home. Now the real rulers and their pawns in government are at war against the people, end of quote. So did you notice what he said there, the real rulers and their pawns in government are at war against the people? I, uh, it's so true. They will win the war on us unless we repent, dissent, and disobey. Right? Thomas Jefferson is famous for saying this. He says, I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility 
against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. And it's, it was Benjamin Franklin who proposed this phrase, Sam, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. And this sentiment ran through the revolutionaries fighting to shed a system of government that viewed them as subjects rather than as men with the right of self-governance. Well, are we not in a similar situation today, Sam? I mean, are we not slaves? Are we not subjects to these rulers who... And haven't we acquiesced to their mask mandates, to their lockdowns, and so forth? So isn't the mindset the same today as it was back when our revolutionary forefathers were setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men around the country? I think we are. And so there is no silver bullet, no single solution, no single person who's going to restore the republic and redeem your rights, ladies and gentlemen. Only you can do that. And do that we must, Sam. Because freedom here... Incredible topics, ladies and gentlemen. Serious, serious efforts being made to stand up for liberty. We do have a mistaken notion. You know what? There are easy solutions. Okay? He says there's a mistaken notion that there's an easy solution. And I agree that we can't take freedom too lightly. And I agree that it's a mistaken notion to just think it'll come back on its own. But I do believe there is an easy solution. And I believe the next article really kind of highlights the easy solutions, ladies and gentlemen. Look, the you know what? The people that are tyrants, the real rulers, and their pawns in government are at war with the people. And you know what? We've got to do the following things if we want to turn the tide. And I think it's an easy solution. Now, it might be hard in practice, but it's easy in its application if we are faithful. It's easy in our understanding. Now, it's hard day-to-day. That might be the application. Uh, But you know what? It's easier than the road of tyranny. So that's why I say it's easy. It will be tough, but there is a formula, ladies and gentlemen, that Barnett points to, right? That's right, Sam. Well, I added the word repent. I don't know that Gary added that to his column, but I believe, having listened to you for these many years, Sam, that the first step is to turn to God. It's to repent. And collectively speaking, we as a country need to turn to God and, and place Him at, you know, at the forefront. Because this, you know, the freedoms that we enjoy, the liberties that we enjoy, came from him. He's the one who gave us life. He's the one who gave us freedom. He gave us agency and accountability. And so that is the first step, because you've, you, you've, you've convinced me, Sam, we need to turn to God first. Now, the other two verbs, dissent and disobey, came from Gary D. Barnett. Now, it's not that Gary's not a religious man. He probably is. But he's writing this column and, and maybe, maybe we need to persuade him to, to say more about the need to repent, to turn back to God and do what God wants us to do here. Just think of the revolutionary zeal that would surface among our people if we took a religious approach to restoring our liberty, Sam. It, it would be a, a marvelous idea, uh, you know, if we had the religious zeal <laughs> to, to restore our liberty. I think it would make a huge difference. You know, here's Alan Stevo writing about this at LouRockwell.com. He says, I need men of valor. I need women of virtue. I need youth of passion. I need elders with heart. 
I need to surround myself with one, the one percenters, the outliers. They need not be rich. They need not be famous, but they must be wise, not trendy. They must be people of faith, not fear, and they must be solid, not flighty. <laughs> I love this article by Alan Stevel because he's, it's a very upbeat, encouraging article. You know, in this age when we've got enemies, foreign and domestic, trying to beat our beat that beat into us this subject, the slave mentality, we need this type of improvement. We need we need we need people who yeah, it'd be nice if they have a stockpile of guns and know how to use them fine, but we need people with character. We need people who can strategize, who who are committed to self improvement. We need people of action. And um, because in every era, there will be people who take a, a tyrannical approach. And, and, and Alan Stiebel observes that the beginning of communism in Czechoslovakia began with a stolen election in 1948. I'm not familiar with that history, but... Hey, Lowell, I need you to familiar. repeat this reality check for the American people. Say that again. Um, the beginning of communism in Czechoslovakia began with stolen elections in 1948. Does that sound familiar, Sam? <laughs> Was there not an election? Well, it just simply articulates what road we're on if we don't do something about it. And I would submit to you that, you know what, we are the patriots that Alan Stevo is looking for. You know, what did you do in the People's War Daddy is kind of the headline of his column that articulates kind of this idea that, hey, we need to do something. And I don't think that we need to be belligerent. And I don't think that we need to be offensive. And I don't think that we need to be out of control. But I do think we need to peacefully, patiently stand our ground. I think we need to peacefully, patiently educate and say, look, you know what? If I'm on your private property, I guess I must wear a mask or leave. That's fine. You have your right to your own private property. At the same time, though, look, I'm not going to just cave to tyranny. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to be polite and peaceful. But I don't like the civil disobedience term. And let me tell you why I don't like it. It makes it my God-given rights a civil discussion. Well, civil relates to government. If you're not very careful, you get into civil rights and civil law. Now you're on government territory, and government defines privileges. Okay, there are no such thing as civil rights, for instance. There's only God-given rights, and there's civil privileges. There's no such thing as civil rights if you want to get factual, folks. It's kind of like just saying that everything is political. No, everything is moral, not political. I digress. But what I'm telling you is, you need to be very careful. The other problem that I have with the civil disobedience idea is that they're the ones that are kind of in the right, and I'm kind of a disobedient guy. I'm the one that should be obeying, but I'm the rebel. I'm the one outside of the scope of the mainstream or the... Uh, the, the logical, normal behavior. No, 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 stop. I'm the one carrying out my God-given rights. I'm the one that has authority and sovereignty. They have authority based on my delegated, um, delegated consent. I consent and give them uh, delegated authorities and powers. But when they take power under themselves and then say that I'm you know, practicing some kind of disobedience, that's the lie. And so I, I don't even know that I like these words at all to describe uh, what we're doing or what needs to be done. But I think we need to stand our ground is probably the better way to describe what I think we need to do, Lowell. I don't want to be engaged in civil disobedience. I'm not disobedient. In fact, I'm obedient to my God. 
And those who are trying to cause trouble for my liberty, they're the ones that are disobedient to God's law, to my God-given rights, and to the proper role of limited government. They're, they're, they're disobedient to that. And they're trying to take my God-given rights and turn them into civil privileges, and I'm not accepting that lie. So let's be very clear. I'm just simply standing my ground. I'm just simply holding the line. I'm just simply saying, you know what? You're out of line now. We're the ones that gave consent. That's where you get your just power, and you're kind of violating it now. You need to stop it. So we need to be very careful that we control the language and that we take back the narrative, lol. Great point, Sam. In fact, you'd be rubbing shoulders with Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin, who I just want to quote again. Ben Franklin, he proposed this phrase, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. And that's what you're saying, Sam. You're being obedient to God. And Thomas Jefferson is famous for saying, I have sworn upon the altar of God eternal hostility against every form of tyranny over the mind of man. And so they are they're demonstrating their allegiance to God. That's what you're doing, Sam. You're not civilly disobedient. You are demonstrating your allegiance to God. And so I like that. I, I think that's great, Sam, and, um, and I'm going to try to amend my language accordingly going forward because I think that's a great distinction. We do have a right from God, right to life, liberty, and property, and anything that we might get from the government is simply privilege. It's not a right. If it comes from government, it's and not And some would a say, right. Sam, it's just words. I mean, I appreciate your rhetoric, but, you know, I mean, I, your point is valid, but it's, it's really just a semantics thing here. No, it isn't. We're talking about fundamental principles of who has authority when and how and where, jurisdictional boundaries, God-given rights as opposed to government-granted privileges. It's the fundamental basis of our republic. It is not semantics, ladies and gentlemen. It is a critical, principle-based point that we better understand or we're going to lose our liberty. It's that simple of a discussion, Well, You're absolutely right, Sam, and thank you for providing this forum where we could discuss such an important issue, the difference between rights from God and privileges from the state. They are not the same. Thank you, Sam. All right, ladies and gentlemen, incredible commentary from Lowell Nelson. Great points, great articles, great talk radio. I'm delighted to be part of it as we stand for God, family, and country, and we do our best to protect life, liberty, and property. For Sam and Lowell and everybody else, we declare we can save our republic. Will you help us? LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Pushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that ever refused to use it. No doubt continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for March 19th. In the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our two of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio. We use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, just so you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration 
of the greatest country on the face of the earth. We believe the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips today? We better learn to use it. I'll tell you that right now. We're also convinced that we must repent before Almighty God and become a moral people. And if we do, we're in good shape. But if we don't, oh boy, it's nothing but trouble straight ahead for us. The choice is clear. Where will we stand? Welcome to the broadcast that is a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled. We're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time for ride day. You got to dig it. I hope you spend all weekend promoting God, family, and country, protecting life, liberty, and property. By the way, Lowell Nelson's hour last hour was such a good hour that I want to continue with the same topics with Dr. Scott Bradley, who's on the line. His website, freedomsrisingsun.com. Welcome to the broadcast, Dr. Well, as always, thank you very much. Uh, again, so uh, we start the week with you, and we kind of end, well, the work week anyway. Certainly the weekend needs to figure in our life somehow, but uh, Monday and Friday, so we're, we're here to kind of, as bookends, I guess. I'm sorry. Sorry, Dr. Bradley. I pressed the wrong button. Uh, so I want to oh. summarize what we had for the last hour uh, with Lowell Nelson, because I think it's a topic that you'll want to rock and roll on. So let me just give you the summary of what we talked about. We talked about several different articles. We talked about the media finally starting to get it about Coco a little bit, not totally, but, hey, the contrast between California and Florida. And media are starting to ask a few questions. That's a good thing. But what we really talked about was, you know what? We're in trouble, folks. Uh, the government's out of control. And you have a mistaken notion, ladies and gentlemen, if you believe there's an easy solution to gaining back freedom that is lost. I'm not saying it's not possible, but the real rulers and their pawns in government sadly have become at war with the people. And they will win the war unless we repent, dissent, and disobey. Uh, you know, so there's the summary. And so people were, you know, kind of mentioning civil disobedience. And I kind of stopped and I said, you know what? I don't like the words civil disobedience. And let me tell you why I don't. And then the summary, and then we'll get to Dr. Bradley. Rock, he'll, he'll rock and roll on this topic here, I'm hoping. Uh, and I have no doubt he'll pull out Founding Fathers quotes and put it in appropriate perspective just for us, as the good doctors would well known to do. Um, but so I'm saying I don't like the term civil disobedience. First of all, civil is a lie. What that means is government privilege. I have God-given, unalienable rights codified by the Declaration of Independence, okay? I have rights, and I delegate authority to government. So government derives its just powers from the consent of the governed, okay? So when they talk about civil, what they're doing is they're granting me privileges, <clears throat> pretending they're rights. And they grant a lot of privileges that aren't rights at all. In fact, they're wrongs based on socialism and communism. Or oftentimes they take my right and turn it into a privilege as if they have authority or control or manipulative ability over that, quote, right. So they lie to you with this civil side of the discussion. Um, there are no such thing as civil rights. There's only God-given rights, civiler privileges. But then this disobedience idea really irks me the most. Because let me just tell you, if I'm standing with my God and I'm obedient to my God and I have these unalienable rights, and government carries out the delegated authority that I give it properly, then the government's obedient to me as I'm obedient to God. But if the government falls outside of that scope and takes power into itself, immorally, 
illegally, etc. And then they try to, you know, pervert my rights into privileges. And they try to change my God-given authority to a civil permission by government. And if they do these things, they're the ones that are disobedient, not me. And I reject it, and I will be disobedient, if you will, I guess, to their edicts. But I'm not the disobedient one. They are. So the civil disobedience idea, I understand the point, which means we need to resist. I understand the point, which means, you know, we're going to have to repent. We are going to have to dissent. We are going to have to disobey their unconstitutional, ungodly edicts. I get it. But I'm not the civil disobedient one. I'm the one exercising my authority under God with my God-given rights. And I'm delegating authority to government based on jurisdictional responsibilities laid out in the United States Constitution and my state constitutions. And if they obey that role, we have no issue, no conflict. But if they disobey, they're the ones that are engaging in civil disobedience. Doctor, let's start there, sir. Well, there, there has been a complete flip of the, um, the correct and true principles of proper governance. And, uh, you know, literally hundreds of uh, statements and comments and, and uh, examples come to mind as, as you're running through the litany. Um, truly, the, uh, I mean, we could talk at length about a lot of angles, but let's start with, with just a concept. And, again, we can go to those Founding Fathers' statements and, and how resistance to this uh, usurpation is truly a, a, uh, an expression of love uh, to preserve the the uh, land that we've been given is a land of liberty, and it is not an act of rebellion. It is truly an expression of love if we push back when, when this usurpation occurs. But, but just a concept to maybe, maybe frame a little bit, and I, I don't know. Um, you need, we all need to understand the, that the offices and officers created under the United States Constitution are creatures of the contract. They were created by the contract, and they're subject to it, the officers cannot constitutionally, arbitrarily, unilaterally redefine their powers. That includes all government and all powers, all departments, legislative, executive, judiciary. The states are the parties to the contract. The states are the makers of the contract. So when the creature of the contract, the national government, exceeds and usurps the power that's delegated to it within that contract, the United States Constitution, the parties to the contract, the states, must re-engage and rein in the usurping creature of the contract, the national government. Okay, now where did the states get their quote-unquote power? This is, a, this is a, a delegation of power also. So what we have happening is that from the foundational basis of everything governance, it comes from the people who obtained their God-given rights from God, and the purpose of government, as noted in the Declaration of Independence, is to secure God-given rights. So this this rolling up, if you will, and that's maybe a bad and uh, we could, argumentably we could we could say we could define that better, but just for you know the brief discussion we have, rolling up of delegated authority from the people, well, from God to the people to the states to the national government or the general government. We, we find that these creatures of the contract are simply bound by their job description. And, and I oftentimes use, when I'm talking to, to groups of people, um, let's say you hire a housekeeper, and that housekeeper is there to you know, cook meals and clean the house and do the laundry, et cetera, et cetera. 
if she makes a pass at the head of the household, first thing they do is they fire the housekeeper because she has exceeded her delegated authority. As long as she was doing her job, she was right there doing what was needful. Or let's take another example, a gardener that's hired by the good household. And um, when they're off on vacation someplace, somebody drives by, sees the gardener, the beautiful grass and the flowers and the bushes. The guy says, man, that's a lovely home. I wonder if I could look in. The guy says, sure, I've got a key. If I can get a drink of water, let's go and look at it. The guy says, man, I'd like to buy that house. And the gardener sells the house. When the good householder comes back from vacation, finds another usurper sitting in office, uh, does a little investigation, fires the groundskeeper, and then begins the process of taking the household back. So in those two little simple examples, we see what has happened in America. We hired people to do a certain job, housekeeping, laundry, cooking, whatever, gardening, mowing the lawn, whatever. And what they have done, in essence, as they've said, oh, as a housekeeper, I have access to the keys. I can wander the house and the premises unopposed. I'm, I have a right to be here. But what they have done is they have overstepped their limits and bounds of their job description. That job description is found for the legislature in Article One of the Constitution, President Article Two, and so on. Those job descriptions have been violated. Now, if you've got somebody that you hired to work on your assembly line or you worked as a janitor or there's somebody that's a... I, I know somebody very well that had an, a, a corporate attorney that worked for them, and they used their power position to do a, a, a hostile takeover. That is what is happening in America today. The creatures of the contract, those that were brought in, hired to do a certain job, have violated that contract. Now those that were the parties to the contract that agreed to it, it's time for those parties to step in and say, no longer will we allow these people to hold office. Now, again, in these simplified little statements, I think we need to understand that the violators of the contract are both at the general government level and they're at the state government level, level, and they're also in our municipal governments. We have violations at every level. I guess it sounds like we've got to take a quick break. Time flies when you're having Roger that. Hang on, Dr. Bradley. Freedomsrisingsun.com is website. I am Sam Bushman. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. 
a public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm seven years old. I'm sitting here in the corner having a time out until Mom comes to talk to me. All I did was cut my sister's hair. I was just trying to help. I guess Mom didn't like how I did it. In a minute, she'll be back and ask me if I know what I did was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have cut her hair. And she'll say we all make mistakes because we're just learning about stuff. And she'll give me a hug and we'll end up talking about more stuff. No matter what you talk to your kids about, love is what they'll hear. I really like Mom's timeouts. And I think she likes them too. Yeah, I think they help her remember how much she loves me. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visit us at mormon.org. on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. So the point I'm making, ladies and gentlemen, is a very clear one. Sam educates is my headline. Civil disobedience is a great misnomer. Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God, says Benjamin Franklin. And that's kind of the point. You know what? If I'm going to be obedient to somebody, it's going to be God, not government. I'll tell you that right now, but I'm not disobedient. That suggests government has the authority. I say government doesn't have the authority, Doctor. Let's go back and uh, consider what Thomas Jefferson said again of the many hundreds of, uh, of concepts that come to my mind instantly. And it, there's no time to give justice to any of them. But here's a few little, well, a couple little statements, and then we need to understand approaches to this thing. It's not throwing Molotov cocktails in the, in the, uh, the streets. But here's what Jefferson said, that the several states composing the United States of America are not united on the principle of unlimited submission to the general government, but that by a compact under the style and title of a constitution for the United States and of amendments thereto, <clears throat> they constituted a general government for special purposes, delegated to that government certain definite powers reserving each state to itself the residuary mass of right to their own self-government, and that whensoever the general government assumes undelegated powers, its acts are unauthoritative, void, and of no force. The government created by this compact was not made the exclusive or final judge of the extent of the powers delegated to itself, since that would have made its discretion and not the Constitution the measure of its powers but that, as all other cases of compact among powers having no common judge, each party has an equal right to judge for itself as well as of infractions of the mode and measure of redress. Okay, so what, what he's saying here is that basically we wrote a contract. We created a specific general government. He, they use the term general government, non-national government and not uh, federal government for, for a very good purpose. And we could talk about that at length if you wished, and in Federalist Papers and everything. But the point of the matter is, we have created a government. That government has, dele has been delegated certain powers, and none else. And that government can only operate 
in, within those powers and none else. And those that, that foolishly and, and I think purposely have sought to destroy this understanding of a living constitution, they call it, where they can redefine powers and redefine words. It's written in plain English, people. Those plain English words have meanings. Those meanings may be known, and they can only mean what they meant in 1787 when they were written, and they are limited. Well, I mean, we could talk about the 45th Federalist Paper, for example. The powers of the national government, general government, federal government, whatever people are, are willing to call it, are few and defined. Few and defined. And, and again, I, I don't want to give anybody at the state or local government a pass on these things. Everybody is bound by the concept found in the Declaration of Independence that the purpose of government is to secure God-given rights. That is the purpose of government. And whenever they go beyond those bounds, it time, it's time to be corrected. We need to fire the housekeeper, the gardener, the, the uh, corporate attorney, whatever you want to call the person that's been put in a, a, a position where they have been granted a certain limited scope and they've overstepped it. It's time to fire them. It truly is. And, and I think there's a general house cleaning that's necessary. But before that happens, we the people have got to get our uh, understanding clear. And, and I do believe, as we go back to this so often on the program, we need to go back to the origin and basis of our full understanding of the creation of what this nation is. And it started on a spiritual basis, and, and its foundation is found in the Scriptures. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so, hey, I mean, Bradley, we the people need to speak our point about, hey, you know what, social, or, I'm sorry, civil disobedience is a great misnomer. Okay, it isn't true. There's no such thing as civil rights. There's God-given rights and civil privileges, but civil rights are a misnomer, okay? And it's not very civil if you exercise whatever rights the government doesn't want you to have. They get violent in a hurry. And so I say rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Um, look, we've got choices to make in America, folks. Doctor? You know... <sighs> You're absolutely correct, and, and sadly, uh, for a long time now, uh, the, uh, the, the the general government has been focused on limiting our God-given rights to as narrowly a focused a scope as possible. And we've talked before on your program about uh, uh, an event that happened back in uh, September of 2016, just before the election, that uh, you know, a couple months before the election. There was a U.S. Civil Rights Commission that gathered, and, and they put together an egregious document, in my opinion, 296 pages. And, and without going through all 296 pages to point out every egregious fault within that, in general, we might just say their intent, their purpose, their theme, if you will, was that they need to define God-given rights as narrowly as possible so that those God-given rights do not impinge upon these new, quote-unquote, civil rights that you're talking about that are falsely being created by government action. These uh, Johnny-come-latees, if you will, to our lexicon in America, where they, they redefine uh, your God-given right to make choices of association and belief and everything else in the public, the public uh, 
marketplace as well as in your churches. Now, by the way, just let me parenthetically or take a side trip here for a second. I believe institutions, religious institutions, err greatly. Uh, they are on a bad path that ultimately and finally will lead, uh, the, will lead to those religious institutions losing their institutional rites of worship, their formulaic worship, if you will, when they have uh, squandered the individual uh, rights. Now, here's where I'm going with this. There are many religious institutions that uh, I think want a place at the table, if you will, with big government, where they're saying, oh, we'll help you get what you want as long as we can continue to practice our formulaic worship in our, our churches, our synagogues, our chapels, or temples and, and uh, cathedrals, whatever. We will help you get what you want if you will help us. No, no, not help us. Just allow us to retain what we have. And so in that formulaic worship that they have, there will be a time probably where, yeah, you can continue to meet, you can continue to read your scriptures across your pulpits and podiums and all those kinds of things. You may continue to practice your, your ordinances and so on and so forth. But the real fundamental thing that's happening is as they turn their back on the individuals that are out there, their congregants, if you will, as they turn their back on them and say, well, they've got to fend for themselves. We are watching. We, uh, we, the leaders, have an institutional responsibility to protect that organization we represent or lead or whatever. But the foundation of that is what individuals can do. Now, there's there's uh, bills before the United States, right, this very moment, the United States Congress and Senate, wherein that exact thing is happening. They're redefining. They're going to, they, it will happen soon. They will redefine the First Amendment, for example, and, and they will they will make certain that religious belief cannot impinge upon some other created right. I'll give you an example. If you are a good Christian fellow and you own a business and, and you want to give your, your uh, employees a health care plan, and, and so you're offering that health care plan in the marketplace, and, and you're offering it to them. Well, I don't get too fancy there, fellas. This health care plan, because these people have a right to abortion, or these people have a, a right to gender surgery, or these people have a you, you can run with this all you want. These people have a right to be able to share bathrooms with any girl that comes into your place of business. These guys can go in there, too, because they identify as being girls or whatever. You can take this any way you want, where those businesses will be compelled by government force. I mean, you remember, government is not eloquence, it's not reason, it is force. And like fire is a dangerous servant and fearful master. You will be compelled by government force to, in the public sector, in the marketplace, it doesn't matter what your religious belief is, what, how firmly you are holding these things, you'll be stuck because they're not. They're going to say, oh, the religious institutions can do No, Oh, yeah, we'll leave them alone. But the you, no, no, not in your business. Forget it. Uh, and we've got to take another break. Holy cow. Time flies when you're on the radio, ladies and gentlemen. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips always. I'm Sam Bushman. Dr. Scott Bradley's with me to preserve the nation. His goal, freedomsrisingsun.com, his website, and we got a whole lot more hard-hitting talk on your radio. Your daily Liberty 
Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. As investigators piece together the movements and motive for the suspect in this week's deadly shootings at three Atlanta, Georgia massage parlors, there's debate underway whether he should face hate crimes for the attacks that left eight people dead, including six Asian women. Reports indicate the suspect, Robert Aaron Long, told investigators it was gender motivation, as he is a self-admitted sex addict. The World Health Organization has authorized China to effectively bar American scientists from the probe into the origins of COVID-19. According to the Wall Street Journal on Thursday, the WHO has allowed Chinese officials final say to which American scientists can join the international probe. The House continued partisan politics Thursday, voting to open citizenship for DREAMers. The 228-197 vote was down party lines. Grandstanding, that's the best way to describe U.S.-China summit talks in Anchorage, Alaska Thursday, with each side taking jabs at each other. The summit does continue Friday. USA Radio News. Awesome and amazing day. Hey there, friends. It's John and Chelsea Jubilee. And today we have a message for you women out there. Are you premenopausal, postmenopausal, or maybe you're in the middle of menopause right now? Ouch. Listen, we have thousands of clients that have reported reversing all of their symptoms of menopause. Or maybe you have thyroid imbalances. Same thing for those women. Listen, this is your time. Absolutely. You can reverse all of those symptoms and you can be your real joyful, exuberant, and lean self again. Ladies, I don't care if six doctors told you you can't lose that fat after menopause or in menopause. You can. We have done it hundreds and hundreds of times, even in a medical setting, documented. So make your action call today. Log on to EnergizeHealth.com, EnergizeHealth.com, or call 888-444-8895. That's 888-444-8895. Some U.S. lawmakers are fed up with Dr. Fauci's wishy-washy leadership during the COVID-19 pandemic, and they let him have it on Thursday. Wendy King from the Pacific Northwest USA Radio News Bureau reports. During a Senate hearing, Senator Rand Paul asked Dr. Anthony Fauci, why are we still wearing masks? You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear masks to have been vaccinated. Well, let me just state Dr. for the record that masks are not theater. Masks are protective. And we, we have ask immunity people- there, theater. If you already have a Community, you're wearing a mask to give comfort to others. You're not wearing a mask because of any sign. I, I totally disagree with you. Dr. Fauci told the panel there isn't enough data on the vaccine's response to the variants of the virus. Dr. Fauci started off the pandemic telling Americans not to wear masks and later admitted he fibbed to save American stockpiles of masks for frontline workers. At the beginning of March 2021, approximately 10% of the adult population in the United States has received both coronavirus vaccine doses. USA Radio News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Dr. Scott Bradley on your radio. So there's a couple of things I want to highlight, doctor, a couple of news points I want to get in here. Despite having face mask requirements and socially distanced tables inside the outdoor tent where the Grammys were being held on the Sabbath, sad to say, celebrities still found a way to show their hypocrisy. Los Angeles, by the way, is currently under a mask mandate, which I submit is unconstitutional as all get out. But nevertheless, but that didn't stop celebrities 
from removing their masks to take red carpet pictures with one another. The celebrities also took off their masks once they made it on stage to accept their awards, sometimes even hugging and kissing the presenters. And John Kerry got busted on a plane not wearing a mask. We see them at restaurants all the time. Uh, their hypocrisy highlights the pro- They know that wearing masks is not the answer. And they still mandate it for you and I, but it's for he, meaning me and you. It's for me, not for thee, kind of thing. And it, their hypocrisy has got to stop. This highlights the point we're getting at. We have got to say we need to be obedient to God and reject these mandates. They don't have any authority, doctor. Again, uh, there's hundreds of different strings we could pull on with that, but this Fauci facade, which truly it is a Fauci facade, I think someday, somehow, we'll, we'll probably have a full psychoanalysis of Dr. Fauci and find uh, that uh, that his the, the demons that pursue him and, and drive his behavior and his uh, belief system have, have truly driven this nation into the ground. But... Uh, but the fact of the matter is, the whole entire episode has been a facade. We, uh, during my lifetime, we have had uh, four at least pandemics, and I remember, in retrospect, when they were. But I don't remember anything that happened because of them. We went on with our lives. So we pursued everything that we were pursuing. We, you know, we we had lives. In fact, the economy continued to boom. The, there were, there were no impediments put in anybody's way by the false facade of government mandate. Again, mandates are not are not law. Mandates are simply a monarchical de- declaration. They're pretended law, to use the term in the in the uh, Declaration of Independence. And everything that's happening right now, the the uh, it's empty. It, there, I mean. You, you heard at the news break the, um, the exchange between Dr. Rand Paul, uh, you know, Senator, and, and the Fauci facade that's there. I don't know if you've seen the interview between the Mexican entertainer, comedian, uh, interviewer, and, and Fauci. Uh, he is one of the most incisive interviewers I have ever seen. And, and it's kind of like, holy cow, what happened? to the big talking heads of the news media people that, that interview this buffoon, this comical buffoon that has, has basically... Yeah, it's uh, comical except for the guy has look- so much authority granted to him by Trump and now Biden that it's out of control. It is. Now, indeed. Rand Paul did and a great job to Dr. Fossey in Mexican, the Senate hearing. This Mexican interviewer, saying, hey, you got to spreading this, isn't it just theater? Before. You've got two masks on here. You've already been vaccinated. It's theater. And all Fauci could say back is, I don't agree with you. But what about the science on this thing? What about the... And they don't have science on their side, doctor. They don't. No, there, there is no science to this at all. I mean, I mean, if you take every single element as what has happened... You can compare and contrast all across the world the actual real-life experiences. And, and it, it's not a narrative. It's a script. And in, a, in this, this nation, we have embraced the script wholeheartedly and completely. And there are so many other things going on that, um, that, that you, you're being denied the opportunity, uh, reasoned, intelligent, uh, highly trained, 
board certified uh, subject matter experts are basically put to ground using the electronic term where they're completely not just ignored they're censored they're they're set aside and in fact they're they're threatened and uh, and and the other side of this script has not been allowed to be aired and and across America, we are paying the price, and, and I fear that we're, we're just beginning on this. I, I think that some of the side effects of the vaccine, in fact, I just got this morning a, uh, it's probably a, uh, uh, something that will, we need to give some consideration to, but basically it came from the Utah Department of Health and their position that they will not, they will not at any time, uh, you know, basically, share anything that has to do with, let me see if I can find it here real quickly, it has anything to do with calling to question the uh, the, the vaccines. Uh, they're absolutely entrenched in their position that these vaccines are safe and effective. They're neither. They're, I mean, you, you can say all you want, but, but they're unproven. They're un... Uh, they, these are a new technology. The they, most they were, they were tested on was 40 days, Nobody has well, any and idea. We know that they're not safe or effective because they clearly say this is new technology and they don't even know. They admit that on one side of their mouth. On the other side, they say they're safe and effective and how dare you challenge them. But they also say they're vaccines and they're not even really a vaccine. That's true. They're, they're a medical procedure and, and they're supposed to be somehow mitigating this thing. But, but this statement that came out that says public confidence in the COVID-19 vaccine is critical. Okay, so they, they, are, they are going to give cover to this thing, and, and they, are, they are basically facilitators and complicit in this facade. Again, this is done under an a, uh, emergency use declaration. This is not being done on any kind of uh, approval process, and for them to say they're safe and effective. And now I've been watching. They're having volunteers put their six-month-old babies forward as guinea pigs on this six-month, six-year, 12-year. It doesn't matter. We're taking this to children, to pregnant women, in spite of the fact we have reports of, of young women that are pregnant and uh, get vaccinated and, boom, gone. Babies, babies done. We, we have a spontaneous abortion. I mean, there maybe there'll become a new abortion process for the morning after or some silly thing or for six months into it. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is this is an emergency use, use authorization. This is an experiment. This is not an approved product. It has, it has been brought forth with a warp speed. That's, they used the term even. And they've brought it to market. They are. This is the biggest. Let's put it this way. I don't think I can. I, there has never been a bigger marketing program on any subject ever at any time in the history of the world, where they are making this these public service announcements, and they have they have folksy people say, "Yeah, folks, we're so lucky to have this brand new vaccine out, and you need to get that." I mean, they use every single facade of approach to kind of play to our comfort zones and everything else like that. But the reality of it is, it is not an approved vaccine. It's being issued and offered under an emergency use authorization that is simply 
being brought to the market because, 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 because it's the Wizard of Oz, people. It's it's something that um, you, you just cannot bring science to this. You can't say, uh, is this going to cause spontaneous abortion? Is this going to cause a heart attack? Is this going to cause anaphylactic shock? Is this going to cause some kind of paralysis or, or neurological problem? Is this going to cause some kind of... Uh, deficiency in, in children's minds. Are you going to be sterile? Are you going to, I, I mean, you could make a list a thousand miles long because they don't know. And, and it's, it's being promoted and marketed to the nth degree. And, and when that, that Mexican comedian interviewer guy, you've got to look that up. Find that interview. It was like, you're laughing all the way through at this, this comical, and the, the comedian is not the comical It's comical, but it's poignant and direct as all get out, and it highlights the reality it, that we face. It does. And, and Fauci is the comical guy in it. He is turned every which way, inside and out. He cannot give a straight answer that really makes any common sense. You, you can't say, oh, this, this logic is impeccable. No, there is no logic. And, and, and he has become the spokesman in the face of all of this thing. And again, as you point out, that there's been delegated unrighteously and usurped and everything, delegated by people that didn't have the authority to him to be the chief cook and bottle washer on this whole thing. And we have destroyed lives. People have committed suicide. And businesses, and the list goes on and on, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, I want to highlight everybody celebrating Disney in California's opening in April. Ain't that great? Well, let me tell you the guidelines. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live. As you all know, Roe versus Wade has resulted in some of the most permissive abortion laws anywhere in the world. For example, in the United States, it's one of only seven countries to allow elective late-term abortions, along with China, North Korea, and others. Right now, in a number of states, the laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong. It has to change. Americans are more and more pro-life. You see that all the time. In fact, only 12% of Americans support abortion on demand at any time. Under my administration, we will always defend the very first right in the Declaration of Independence, and that is the right to life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. 
that will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. Man, we're, uh, time's just flying faster than I wanted to. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about this situation here. So the California Attractions and Parks Association announced that it wants to limit shouting in order to prevent the spread of the COVID-19, don't you know? In explaining why it was now safe for California to reopen its theme parks, the California Attractions and Parks Association revealed that it had the ability to limit activities that are known to cause increased spread, which includes singing, shouting, and heavy breathing. So there you have it. Don't worry. They want you to go on a roller coaster and not scream. A doctor, what they want you to do is scream in your heart, okay? We have become complete idiots in this country. I think that literally the insanity has become universal. I, I'm, I don't know how to prove this. It, it's just a theory, I guess, that, that if, when you become oxygen-deprived, you become depraved. And that's kind of where we are in America today with uh, the reduced uh, brain uh, oxygenation. We have stopped thinking. And, uh, and, and by the way, uh, they, they talk about, oh, the vaccine is going to let us open up. No, it won't. You still got to social distance. You still got to wear a mask. You still got to do all of the hand sanitizing nonsense and everything that destroys your natural immune system. By the way, I know you've seen this, Sam. Uh, our good friend Chuck Baldwin put out a, a, a theme yesterday with uh, with a, uh, uh, a an Israeli rabbi named Weisman that had 31 reasons why he won't take the vaccine. It's worth reviewing, people. Uh, it it really is. Go to Chuck Baldwin's uh, uh, site. I I can't give you the uh, uh, maybe it's a Chuck Baldwin syndicate or something like that. It's a syndicated column. Anyway, he put out a newsletter yesterday. And, and is, by the is, way, Doctor, uh, hold on. I, I want to. I want you to highlight this because I really want people to read this. But what I want to do, uh, hopefully on Monday, I want, and I've been waiting for this to get posted to LibertyRoundtable.com um, before we do this. But I want to go through these thirty-one reasons and talk about them. It's worth a whole hour on that alone, isn't it? Oh, I agree. I mean, if you took two minutes on on each one of these thirty-one points. Um, you wouldn't have time because you got to take breaks. You have to do these news things and you do the commercial breaks and all that kind of stuff. It is absolutely, this, this man is brilliant and he's collated together, uh, uh, 31 points. And the, and the, the last one is kind of a, you know, I'm just tongue, tongue in cheek, but it's, it's probably the truest thing of them all. It's the whole thing stinks. <laughs> That's his 31st point. I mean, there is not anything about this that has a shred of any uh, justification for what we have done. And like I say, in the previous pandemics that I've been through in my lifetime, they were completely, <laughs> a whole different approach was taken that had zero outcome. And by the way, the death rates on this, the, the national death rates in no country has exceeded the previous year's death rates 
in any way for all causes. If you take all causes and lump them together, and and it's so amazing. I, I tell people the COVID is a killer. It absolutely is. It's killed the seasonal flu. It's killed pneumonia. It's killed heart attacks. It's killed cancer. It's killed automobile automo deaths, automobile deaths. I mean, it has been the center of focus. What really, really concerns me is that this has been embraced by all walks of people. I mean, people that, that claim to worship Christ and to serve him and want to take upon them his name, there, it seems to me in many instances he is no longer the center of the church services. The COVID is. And it's become the church of COVID. I mean, we have become a bunch of sheep that are being led by, like I say, if Fauci's the leader, you know, we read in the scriptures about how people will look narrowly upon Lucifer, the Satan that has caused all the difficulties in the world. I think people are going to look at him and say, really? Really? We allowed you to do this to our, 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 our lives, our families, our country? Really? Are you kidding me? I, I really do believe that him and and the gates of hell, or no, no, excuse me, Bill Gates, will be uh, the kinds of people we'll look at and say, are you kidding me? We put our trust in these individuals. And again, where does our trust run? Our trust runs to God and Christ. We have got to become a people that's centered again upon those things. Where, where has our faith gone? We are putting our faith in physicians and scientists and politicians and researchers and pharma companies, and, and we've turned our back on faith. This whole thing Amen to that, is Dr. Bradley. So here's what, here's what Chuck Baldwin says, and I want to break this column down. I really want to spend a whole lot more time on it than we've got today. So count on uh, Monday, seeing if we can't really just focus on this one. But the headline of Chuck Baldwin's article says, Why I Will Not Take the COVID Vaccine, written by Chuck Baldwin. And here's what he says. I continue to maintain... That the COVID narrative is the biggest hoax in world history. I continue to maintain that the COVID scam is the biggest hoax in world history, he says. He says, I'll say it straight out. Bill Gates, Anthony, Heil Hitler, Fossey, the CDC, the WHO, the major medical industry, the major pharmaceutical companies, the major media and the fear-mongering politicians in both major parties as well as the coward or cowardly statists pastors and churches who are embracing this phony narrative are lying to us about covid-19 Okay, this is a pretty bold statement, but you know what? I'm convinced that Chuck Baldwin is spot on, Dr. Bradley. You know, um, I I consider Chuck to be a good friend. He's, you know, been in our home, you know, he's spent time with us in our family and stuff. We've been to his church up in Montana, and, and you know, it's interesting. Uh, he's, a, he's a Baptist patch, pastor that has really passionately held feelings towards the inextricability of, of liberty and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and you do get an earful of um, uh, passionate uh, fervor about liberty when you, when you go to his church. He's, 
he's got some real insights on some of this stuff. He's well read. He has a lot of contacts, and and he brings out in this this uh, particular uh, newsletter that he's got this statement by uh, this rabbi out of Israel about these thirty one reasons. And uh, again, anybody that sits down and logically approaches this thing and and tosses overboard the hyperventilating narrative, the hyperbole that we get from, and we've got it right from the very beginning. Uh, I did a, a long interview back in March a year ago uh, with uh, the major news source, if you will, uh, in our uh, state, and their hyperventilating over this has been from day one. I do not believe they were given a general guideline. They were given a script, and these people have been playing this script. Our local uh, community, probably most listened to radio station, has a daily moment of fear. They don't call it that, but it's out of, right out of 1984, Orwell's book, 1984, where we must fear, oh my goodness, they go through all the latest statistics, and well, by the time it's over, I'm sobbing. I mean, you know, come on. I'm uh, Hopefully people can understand the ludicrous nature of this thing, where they, they run these numbers and they make it sound like we're we're all going to die, and everybody's stacked in the neighborhoods and the street corners, and they're coming through with front end loaders and picking up the bodies. And oh my goodness! But that's the way it's hyped constantly. And when you look at it, the statistics show that our mortality rates, if you will, across the world have not changed year to year to year to year, going back several years. And this thing that is is uh, being fear mongering. We've probably had almost exactly the same number of people die in our nation this year as last year, and and they're all being put under as as COVID deaths. I mean, if you had a COVID positive test, which this this PCR doctor, test, even if more people are dying, even if more people are dying, that doesn't grant them any authority to lock us down. It doesn't grant them any authority for the executive branches to obliterate legislative bodies and to take power into themselves, even if more people are dying. Now, I agree with you that more people are not dying, but even if they were, they don't have the authority to violate liberty like that. And that's why I say we've got to stand our ground, folks. We can no longer put up with this as a people. It's time. There needs to be an awakening. I fear, though that the church leaders are very often the principal primary problem with this because they they believe in this Romans 13 thing that you've got to bow your knee and, and scrape and, and uh, perform the labors the government gives you without question. They have become complicit in the entire thing. In fact, I believe some of them probably were sitting at the tables when this was planned. They have been so heavily involved and engaged in it. It is a tragic travesty. You know, you think about, remember when, maybe you don't remember, but you've read about it, in, I think it's fifth chapter of, of Acts, when, when Peter and John charged, hey, you can't even talk about this fellow Jesus Christ anymore. And they said, wait, 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 is it better for us to obey God or you? We've got to get a little backbone again, folks, and I wish that I, I wish to heaven that either the religious leaders would be replaced by God or the religious leaders would retain a little bit of that backbone. Uh, you, you remember the Black Regiment back in the Revolutionary War when the, when the pastors and the preachers 
you know, they, they took off their frocks and they went to battle with the revolutionary uh, soldiers. They preached liberty from the pulpit. And, and now we've become a, and not we, you, me, and certainly guys like Chuck Baldwin have not become complicit in this whole thing. But, but there are far too many religious leaders that are going to be abundantly cautious, good global citizens. And this thing that happens that, that we're destroying the very foundation upon which we can even worship God, where we can take upon us the name of Christ, where we can serve him, where we can perform his labors, because the people that are in charge are determined that God shall not be at the center of our lives. And again, they And ladies and gentlemen, even if you believe in the coronavirus and the vaccines, different from what we believe in, you got to understand this is a landmark test for the globalists. They are going to see will you lock down. And if they find out, just like the people, when they find out they can vote largesque from the Treasury, we're in trouble financially and, and, and you know, from a socialism point of view. Uh, once these people realize that they can shut us down and we won't really do anything about it, they'll find other reasons to shut us down less and less justifiable, even if you believe in this one. You got 20 seconds, final words yours, Doctor. Well, again, uh, we've got to go back to the foundation. We cannot take these tangential paths that will take us away from what made this the greatest, freest, strongest, most happy, most prosperous, and most respected nation on earth. We need to go back to the foundation, and that's what we preach in this. And the original foundation is God. And, and from there, we've God, family, and country, ladies and gentlemen. That's how it is. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. Donate liberally. For Sam and Dr. Scott Bradley, God save the Republic of the United States of America. But let's do our part and trust in God for the rest. Shall we?